Hi, everybody. Shabri Bird here, Quantum Agriculture, another podcast. And today is a really special day. I'm sitting here with Susan Jones, who we started the first Waldorf School in Georgia together. And um, it's a great adventure. And so I'm welcoming uh, Susan. And so, um, well, first I'll tell my version of the story. All right. (laughs) Which I got filled in, and we'll fill it in. Um, years ago, I met a man named Theo Gimbel, who uh, was a Gertian color um, therapist and explorer and very well known, has over eight books. He started the Hygieia Studios uh-huh. in England to teach color therapy. And he was in Warwick, New York, and I received, you must sponsor a lecture for Theo Gimbel in Atlanta. And that was in 1975. Okay. Yep. Yeah, see, no, 76. No, 75, because Hope is still nursing. And and this man was so magical, and I said, how did you get to be, he was like 60 maybe at the mm-hmm. time, how did you get to be like this? And he says, well, I grew up in the Waldorf education. I said, oh, what's that? And he said, well, my parents were in Rudolf Steiner's traveling drama troupe, which performed all over Europe. The mystery dramas. Yes. The mystery dramas. His parents were part of that group. Mm-hmm. And so he was put into Waldorf School. And I said, well, that's what I want, Theo, for my children. So I decided to go find myself a Waldorf teacher. And I went up to Spring Valley, New York. It was a Green Meadow School. Mm-hmm. And um, two summers in a row, and I went to Hawthorne Valley and went trying to find this wonderful Waldorf teacher have the school. So while there in the Rudolf Steiner Library at the Green Meadow School, I met this hunched over, wizened old man named Peter Escher, who said, come and visit me in my apartment, which was, I actually didn't. I found him hours later in front of the Willita Pharmacy. Uh He said, oh, I saw you in the Steiner Library. I'd like to talk to you. Uh So we went upstairs. And he introduced me to the joys of biodynamics, just mm-hmm. tables and tables and tables covered with farm maps. And, mm-hmm. and he had been Aaron Fried Pfeiffer's partner. I bet he worked with Margaret Silkey up there. Did you ever run into her? I No, I didn't. Mm-hmm. But interestingly, he showed up at our bird's nest. It wasn't bird's nest then. In Blairsville, Georgia, six months later. And... On my and introduced himself, and I introduced him to Hugh Lovell, and that's how he came. Not how he came to biomedics. We'd given him literature, but that's how he met his mentor. Meanwhile, after the second summer, I come back to North Georgia, and there in our little North Georgia news is a classified ad mm-hmm. that said Forkway Steiner Jewelers want to start school. Well, of course, my eye went to Steiner, and there was a phone number, which happened to have been a payphone booth, at the Notley River Campground, which was four miles from my house. Mm-hmm. Call up, and then there's this group of people there who, suppose my understanding was they'd been told to go to Ivy Log, Georgia, and start a school. So their teacher, Carl Abbey, and Sue, this is my remembrance, had 
as he was dying or leaving his body, he said, go to Ivy Law. So I believe, and now Susan and I have clarified that actually my daughter, Hope, who was calling for her teacher. Yes. And this school. I just was the intention. You were the vehicle to make it happen. Yes, and Carl Abbey, somewhere out there, picked up this holding place of Ivy Log, Georgia, which well, is the voting station. What he said was that go. there were seven cities of refuge, and he didn't tell us, go do something. He said, like all teachers should say, find out for yourself if it's true. So there are seven cities of refuge, Sedalia, Colorado, Huavica, Island in the South Pacific, where you can kick a tree and a coconut will fall down and you have your food. Um, Dornach, Switzerland, Ivy Log, Georgia, and I cannot recall the others. So we thought, well, we were RH and I were both born in the South. You're in the, you were in Oregon at this time? Uh, yeah, in Oregon, where he did most of his teaching to us. Um, that would be a place to go. So... <laughs> I was taking the teacher training at Steiner College, but it wasn't Steiner College. It was the Sacramento Center for Anthroposophical Studies, which became Rudolf Steiner College. In their first year, with six other young women in their 20s, R.H. and Philip, Carl had died. They moved down to Hayesville, North Carolina. And then they moved to... Nottily Dam Campground, yes. camping. And when I'm still traveling up north looking yeah, for my then, Waldorf teacher. Then I finished my training, drove east, and then met up with them, and then came down, and we were camping there at Nottily River. And we had formed a school long before the Fourth Boy Steiner School. And as a 501c3 corporation, you are required to run a notice of non-discrimination in a public yes. newspaper every year. And that's what you saw. And then you called us up, as I recall, yes, and said, is this the same Steiner as Rudolf Steiner? And we said, yes. And you said, I would like to see, I would like you to come teach my four-year-old daughter. And then on Hope's fourth birthday, I met her. I came to your house for the first time. I had not met you. November 4th. Mm. And she was 1978. And then we said yes, so we started in your living room. And then we had Jenny Miller, yeah. whose family, Filipina mother, Appalachian, Tennessee artist, father, and little Jenny came along living with us, and she came along to school. And it seems to me, and Gabriel. And Gabriel, my and son, Gabriel. but he was baby then. But, there, but, but he was in diapers, but yeah. he joined our little circles in your living room, And we had Scotia's son, Rasta. Then we got Rasta. And then Eric Bowens. Yes. Bowens. Yes. And, and so the school, the school grew out of there, and, and I just think it's intention, but it's also... And we I, did a summer program, and that allowed other children to join us, like the Harrelson girls. Yep. Like Michael Searle's children. Yeah. Those two, and... Whoever else was able to come, and yeah, and it kept growing. It, I mean, it, we carried it on for in the mountains about four years. Five no, years? I want to say we were there for seven years. Well, really, because because wow. we moved from there from your place. The school moved to Gam's little apartment. Yeah. That was so. Scotty Rice's mother. Uh huh. And then, 
Bert made that possible. God bless him. And then your children, you moved to the ashram, I believe, at that point. Well, yeah, Gabriel participated in the school one year, and then Elaine. Well, that Evan was when we moved to Young Harris. Yeah, to Young Harris. We had a year at Jenny Miller's, or a term at Jenny Miller's parents' house in the woods, and then we moved to Young Harris in our seven apple trees in the play yard, and Gabriel was there as a student, and Levin, and Quail and Aspen Durier from yes. Wolf Creek, the twins, who you couldn't tell them apart unless you had them in the, one had red, one had blue, pigtail ribbons. <laughs> and they were so psychic, those twins, we would we moved the school from there to the gallery, the Appalachian Gallery in the back room, and we would sit on the floor in the gallery playing this card game called Snap, and those girls would team up against the rest of us, and they always knew what each other's and was without even speaking. Do you remember when one. I was giving birth to Jeremiah and the school was still, and Guruji was there, mm -hmm. and he sat down with Hope and actually um, Jenny Miller and um, Darian Barber's daughter, Melissa, uh -huh. came for that week. And, and it was so amazing that the magic of all these special children around. Mm. So well, they called the school into being, all these children did. Yes, they did. And, it, yeah, it was what they needed for their early years because we never were able to grow past a kindergarten. But we also had an impact in Appalachia itself because we would hold community festivals That's right. and invite any anybody who wanted to come. And we would have music and we would have food and we would have song and people came and you also brought in teachers like Thane of Hawaii well yeah from the Prosperos who yes. was excellent and brought in some very good astrological teachers and we brought in Jack and Elaine who taught us how to all do bookkeeping so all the little hippies who had these small businesses could actually keep book on it like Southern Ark like yep. Michelle's Michelle Boone uh-huh project there so yeah, that was all part of our school. And, and then when you went to Atlanta and the school rose up, you used to come up and visit Farmer Hugh. Who well, about that time was yes. a biodynamic farmer. Mm-hmm. And mm -hmm. that is Hugh Lovell we're speaking of. And we would have summer programs, be even when we were just a kindergarten in Atlanta, this school, the children's garden that later became the Waldorf School of Atlanta. And now there's a high school there as well in Atlanta. Yep. I think there's like 300 children or something. I know. So 20 years old, 25 years old. Yeah. So, yes, we went back up to the mountains because I loved the people and the land so much. I wanted to share it with my next incarnation of children. And summer program, we would go up there. And I remember Hugh, I remember the first time we went up there and he was showing them how to dig potatoes. And he, we were like... These, this is gold that lives in the earth, that grows in the earth, and you can find it, and it's a treasure hunt, and those children, they went for it, and they did it, and then, of course, we all went swimming in Nottily Lake, and we picked blackberries, and it was hot in Georgia summer, all this nice, um, and Hugh made us all feel welcome, made the children feel welcome, although he was a bit of a... Uh, it wasn't like they, he was their best friend. <laughs> he was Farmer Hugh. He was Farmer Hugh. <laughs> he was a little busy. distance, a little distance. He was busy, too. But 
But they camped out there then later when in third grade we visited for our Waldorf school when we were studying farming. And one morning the children woke up and you would get your water from this bathtub that was filled with water outside to wash with and it was frozen. <laughs> oh, what a shock for the children to experience that. That was so good. And he would like be there with a wood stove just cooking these pancakes for these children. And then they had, were they doing milking cows or milking goats then? They Probably milked both. cows. They yeah. milked cows. And there were these two boys, the Czech boys. Yes, I Who were there to help. And they were there when Chris died. So special. And then we went back for fourth grade, local geography. We went and lived on the land. We would camp out at, at Hughes or at Shawbury's and the adjoining land. And, and then in fifth grade, yeah, we came back for botany. And mm. that was when Chris taught dowsing, Christopher Bird. Yeah, that fifth grade class. And we camped. And I gave your, Native American stories yes. out. We camped out there by the stream. Camped so down sweet. on your land. And, and they all doused, and I heard today that from you, Shabri, that Chris made these copper rods for everybody to douse with. Every child was given they a each set got of theirs. copper rods. And then he hid $5 bills under the huge carpet in the teaching room where he did this and let them douse for the money. Don't you know they found that money? Yes, they did. And then he, he had more money outside, so they expanded their dowsing abilities. <laughs> And went out, and he died five days later. And that one, was amazing. Yes, it was what a gift to those children to be with him at the end of his life. Yeah, what a gift to none of us. us knew that he was at the end no. of his life. But and then Anthony, one of the students, had lost his pocket knife. His father's treasured. You better not lose this pocket knife. <laughs> pocket knife. <laughs> he lost it. He had to face his father. He was mortified and scared. And we said, don't worry, Anthony, your pocket knife will come up again. And he wasn't so sure. But Shabri went walking down where we were after Chris had died, thinking about Chris. And you looked down on the ground, and there it was. So you yourself became the dowsing rod from the spiritual world for his being such a wonderful fellow. You know that for like the two years after he died, I just have no memory. I mean, I went to the water conference with Stefan Schwartz and Callum Coates, and we were all up in Washington State. I barely have memory. I went up to Jennifer Green's mm -hmm. to the water research, mm -hmm. Dennis Kocek. That yeah. was the first time I met Dennis. We spent the week wow. there at Jennifer's. I hardly have memory of all of this. this was well, you had something else you had to do. A little bit of a trauma going on. <laughs> So part two of okay. Susan Jones and the history of Waldorf education in Georgia and onward, the adventures of Susan Jones and her commitment to these children having an outcome of being great human beings. Oh, well, that's up to them really, but <laughs> keep on. You keep on doing what you do. So, so what did, where did we stop? Um, we had our school in Georgia, then... A brief interlude for myself as a, becoming a class teacher in Gainesville at the Day Spring Waldorf School, which no longer exists. Gainesville, Florida. Yes, although there is now an impulse to start a school there after so many years. But anyway, I went there 
And then that was not the place to be for me, so we went to Atlanta and basically continued our work from Georgia, I mean from North Georgia to Atlanta, and we... Oh, that's when the Wallop School started, Atlanta, after Gainesville. After Gainesville, yes. Right. There was a parent who had started a playgroup with our, all of our equipment from the mountains. We sold it to her. She did a little playgroup, got a little group together, then we came in from Gainesville, moved to Atlanta, and started the children's garden in the attic of the Church of the Epiphany in Decatur, Georgia, um, constantly on. What's, what year was this? That was, I say, 1987. Mm. The school, which became the Waldorf School of Atlanta, they say 1986, but we have different memories. But we were incorporated in 87, and we started a kindergarten. We had a kindergarten for five years. We were the first urban southern Waldorf school in this country, and no one had heard of Waldorf education. I mean, Waldorf Astoria. That must Except Shawry Bird and, and, and Theo Gimble. <laughs> yeah. yeah, well, in Atlanta. So we brought Eurythmy to Atlanta. And we, we held this Eurythmy. We sponsored this trip from Switzerland. The Fantasy Eurythmy Company. They came. We rented this comedy club. And the stage was not big enough for the Eurythmy, so we enlarged the stage. We scrubbed the walls because there was cigarette smoke. They scrubbed it with whatever. They used rose oil and transformed this thing for a night or two. And we did the Eurythmy. And, uh, yeah, just tried to bring an impulse to Atlanta. There was, our timing was very good. And we had a lot of help. And there were a lot of us working on this project. But it did take, and now the school is flourishing, and I'm so pleased for them. So, what else do you want to do? Keep know? going. So after Atlanta, you went to Santa Cruz? Um, after Atlanta, I did Gertian studies with Dennis. Oh, lucky you. I thought, well, here's what I thought. Gertians, tell what it was. I thought, Gertians I'm not science very good studies? At, I'm not very good at science, so I should take Gertians studies because I'll learn about science. And this well, was Dennis Klocek? Dennis Klocek at Rudolf Steiner College. It was a year, academic year program. Well, it was consciousness studies, actually. It was, yeah. it was, the vehicle was observe, which is what Goethe did and how he was able to understand the metamorphosis of the plant. So observe yourself. Observe your interactions. We did some fascinating work with color, which interests me as a painter, um, where we would be looking through gels of different colors and record how we inwardly, in a soul level, experienced it. So you can imagine, what is it like to look at the world through red? Everything is red. What is it like to look at the world through blue? Such a different experience. Where are your sympathies and antipathies within your own soul life will teach you something about yourself? For example, the color turquoise, I could not stand at that point when I took that. Yes, here you are wearing it. And now I'm, I look at it and I remember how I felt, but it's not anymore. I work <laughs> glad I'm wearing some turquoise. Kids, so, and you look nice. In Thank you too, very much. So. Uh, so yeah, so we also did arts along the way in the Gertian uh, studies course, and 
I loved studying with Dennis when we were talking about color and form because his background originally was as a graphic artist. And something in him that was different came out when he was working with color and form with us. So I enjoyed that very much. And there I met a teacher from the Waldorf School of Santa Cruz who was taking on his sabbatical year this course with me. And he said, well, maybe you'd like to come to our school. I was so ignorant. I didn't even know Santa Cruz. I knew nothing about California. I didn't know Santa Cruz was like this famous surfer town. I knew nothing. So I went down and ended up there and discovered that I lived on the ocean. I mean, it was... Uh, how many very, years? Very beautiful place. I took a class from first through eighth grade. Did you really? Yeah, in Santa Cruz. Wow. And we had, it was so wonderful then. Oh my word. To be a class teacher for eight years with a class, to watch how they grow, to be able to deepen your experiences with them. I'll give you one small example. We did, when was it? Santa Lucia, Santa Lucia, the 13th of December. We, my class, they dressed in white. They made buns for everyone in the school. They had a crown of candles on the eldest girl. We did our thing at the school. But before that, they, Arj and I were sleeping that morning, and there was the sound of angels singing, and we heard them. And we put on our robes and we went and we opened the door and there was my class, each one dressed in white, holding the candle in the dark because it's December and holding buns and coffee and singing the Santa Lucia song and it's echoing in our porch. And, and they did it year after year. Every year they did this because they loved their teacher. Oh, Susan. And it was such a gift for these two people who didn't have children to be so honored, oh, ho, oh, oh. ho, and for those children to have the opportunity to honor. Yes. And to have reverence for their teacher. They will, that will remain with them always. And then they would go and eat oatmeal after yes. and then come to school. So that was very, so wonderful, being with those children for all those years. And they've grown up and they're doing very well. So now, then after the eight, after that, after class that, teacher. I took a sabbatical and went to Dornoff and did English studies at the Gertiana with Virginia Cease. We did that for a year. What do you mean by English studies? Um, it's like the foundation year, a finishing school year, where you study Rudolf Steiner's basic book. So you start with. Theosophy, and then you do Knowledge of Higher Worlds, and you do Occult Science. And now it's a two-year program, so you can deepen further into the philosophy of spiritual activity and other works. And you do that with Virginia Cease. In the morning, there were people from many nations, mostly young people, a couple of old people, including us. And then... Then you had a break, you can go get a coffee in the Gertiana in the coffee shop, and then you go and you do arts. So I got to paint every day for academic year. We had Eurydne, we had singing the Verbeck exercises with, uh, with Osbert Prokofiev, 
we had nature studies with Jochen Bachemule, former oh head of the science section. With Bachemule? Yeah, the old Bachemule. He would say, he set up this box that was leaning off the side of the table. It looked like it was physics impossible. He'd go, what do you see? No, what do you see? And we're like, just trying to describe it. He says, no, what do you see? I see this box falling off the side of the table and trying to get us to observe. Um, other arts, other classes we had after lunch, Virginia would arrange for masters of different aspects of Rudolf Steiner's work to come and speak to us, such as the head of the natural science section. Was, who was that at the time? Johannes wonderful. He's a, he was a Waldorf High School science teacher. Now he's the head of wonderful Waldorf educated man. Talked to us about sky phenomena, glories, uh, rainbows, all those things wow. that you see. We had people, Herbert Hoggins came from America, spoke to us about the green snake and the beautiful lily. We had Hans Hostler, former head of the grounds of the Gertianum, the whole building, and he took us on this tour of the Gertianum. He took us up to the roof. We got to be on the roof. He took us everywhere, back places. How many people were in this group that year? In our study group, there were like 10. Oh my God, what good fortune. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we had all these people, all these studies, all these studies that we did, and all these arts classes, and then on Fridays, Virginia would take us on an excursion to spiritual sites in Europe. Yeah. So we went to, well, we went to long ones. We went to Chartres with her in the fall, and she knew everything that we were seeing. And we went to Florence with her in the spring. And, but she would take us, there were these people who, this, this person who made a scale model 1 to 20 of the original Gertiana out of wood, the V-card. You could go and stand in it. She took us to him. Wow. Uh, she would take us to cathedrals and explain what we were seeing. We went to Strasbourg, we went to all over Basel, many wonderful places. Did you, the, did you, one of the things that I, when we went to the Biodynamic Association conference six years ago, I loved it. The, it, was in, it was in Madison. Uh -huh. And they had the Anthroposophical Society of, of Wisconsin, Madison. They had mounted this beautiful display, and it was a day in the life of Rudolf Steiner. Oh, yes. And I had, you know, never stopped and thought about, well, how did this man live? How did he mm -hmm. do it? And, you know, and of course, there was a picture of him getting on a train. Yes. Because that's what he did. He did trains all the time to deliver yes. these lectures. Yes, that's right. And it was just, it was very thought-provoking. And to think of the kind of sacrifice that he made, the human physical sacrifice that he made to give out this body of work. Yeah. I mean, and no doubt he was like many of our genius compatriots that really didn't have much of a, a personal life. No, that wasn't the point. Of that this. wasn't the point of this incarnation. No. But no. to just get that little touch, it really got me deeper into choosing to start studying anthroposophical just oh, studying his lectures. We visited his home Did in Dornoch. Really? It's now, it's like a museum. You can visit the house. Yes, he had a little commune in a way there. The house belonged to Albert Stefan. It's down the hill from Vigatiana. And he lived there with Marie Steiner. They had separate rooms. 
He slept on an army cot. He barely slept. And he had a bathtub in his room in which they would, into which they would pour hot water because doing his spiritual work would use up all of his warmth when he would have to be yeah. submerged in this to be warm again. Wow. And that's where they were. Wow. And that's the house he died from? Well, he died in the carpenter's shed, I think. Or a little room off the carpenter's shed. The Gertina. How many people there actually, were there anybody there that was actually met Steiner? I don't know the answer to that. There was this old lady in the youth section. She cooked for the youth section. She, as a girl, as a very young girl, was at the first Waldorf school. Do you know um, that my friend Christine Jackson, who was Christine Mueller, and from Stuttgart, Dr. Mueller that was with anyway, Steiner way back, Hmm. They sent their children to Dornach. So she was one of the original Dornach Waldorf schools. Mm-hmm. And um, we visited with her in Prescott. And she said that when it came time for the burial of the five of well, the silica hmm. remedy, they didn't use horns. This was the children. I don't know what grade she was in then. Uh-huh. They actually buried crystals in the clay there. Uh-huh. And then when it would come time to extract or remove or recover the 501, they literally took the clay from around the crystals and mixed this with water, and then that was potentized huh. as 501, uh-huh. or the silica so preparation. Uh-huh. Very interesting, because Hugh's been such a component, and many others in our circles, about clay being how much Steiner talked about clay being the mediator, not just between the the, the various the, the lime polarity and and, and the um, silica polarity, but also between the astral and the spiritual and clay. clay. Here we are again with Susan Jones, and we're sitting here in her lovely house in Freeman. Freeland. 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 Freeland on Whidbey Island in Washington State. All right, Susan, let's continue. So you now went, did your eight years at the Santa Cruz School and went to Doorknock. Yes. And so then what happened? After that, whoa, we came back to the States, R.H. and I, and I took a job as an administrator at a Waldorf school and went through that special hell. (laughs) And... Was it more hell for you or the teachers? Or us? Oh, geez, it's the most thankless job in the world to be a Waldorf administrator in a bad school. You last two years, and that's it. And I also, in that school, got to do parent-child classes. I was not a Susan, because I, I couldn't be Miss Susan anymore. I used to teach kindergarten as Miss Susan. I now was too old, so I was not a Susan. And I became the surrogate grandmother for all these little babies who came to me and their mothers who I served tea to and taught them how to do handwork and talk to them about their children and taught them things about food and tried to really nurture them. Wasn't this an ethnic kind mm-hmm. of school environment? Was this the one in Oakland? Well, no. This was in El Sobrante. And they were just privileged people who oh. go to a private Waldorf school. But at the same time, 
we were doing volunteer work at the Community School for Creative Education, which was founded in Oakland, California by the wonderful Dr. Ida Oberman, whose vision was to start a Waldorf school in the San Antonio district where something like 56 languages are spoken. San Antonio? San Antonio School District, I guess. Oh, in California. Where uh, International Boulevard runs through and these people come from all over the world, probably from mostly war-torn or poverty-torn situations to America. They make their way to have their, and their children are born here and they meet each other here in a Waldorf-inspired charter school, which is what the community school is, and it's flourishing, and we helped get off the ground a little bit. So, yeah, so that was the East Bay. Then I got a call. Can you pick up a class, a difficult class in Santa Cruz? Oh, you would have never had a difficult class. <laughs> no. Well, I do now. <laughs> Uh, I did then. So, yeah, so I did. I picked up a class in Santa Cruz, and we got things more normalized. We had some good times together. I had them third, fourth, and fifth. And then I thought I was retiring. So we moved to Whitby Island. And I had been here a month retired, and then I got a call asking me to take another difficult class in the Waldorf School here on Whitby Island. So that's what I'm doing. I'm in my... I hope my last year of class teaching with a rising fourth, fifth grade and growing a garden, growing yes. fruit trees, mm-hmm. yes. and other stuff so, to come for the next chapter. I'm so and glad painting. to see you. And, and painting. painting. And painting, yeah. And you know, we, well, we've known each other now 40 years, almost 40 years. It's amazing. It is amazing. <laughs> What a blessing, huh? I, I was just with an elder. Um, she's 84, and they were friends of John Lilly's. Her, her name is Lee Perry, and they started the first flotation tanks mm-hmm. and the deprivation flotation tanks. Mm-hmm. And so she was at, well, they really sponsored the workshop in, in, um, in Grass Valley. And so, and, she, and I said, Oh, I just was so inspired with you. I hope I just lived 84. And she says, oh, you'll never make it to there. <laughs> she says, you'll burn yourself out uh-huh. before then. Jeez, uh-huh. am I so slowed down compared to back then. Back then, yeah. yeah. I mean, I was thinking about the sweat lodges that we used to have on your land. Yeah. Hawk Little John would come and lead us in Lakota. No, he not wasn't Lakota. Lakota. Sorry, Cherokee, Cherokee. prayers. Yeah, but he would speak. We did not so much, but and the yeah, and all being having that privilege. Yeah, and Wallace there. Black Elk and Grace Spotted Eagle came there, and um, numerous Native American elders came. And you weren't living there, thus you no. didn't quite have the whatever it was going on. Well, that's the history of me. That's another time. So now that now that you're painting, which is gorgeous. Oh, thank you. So, so my request of Susan for the last year or two has been that when she does, quote, retire, that she come to Bird's Nest in Blairsville, Georgia, and teach weekend workshops for Waldorf's children's parents so that they have the experience for the weekend of being a Waldorf kindergarten student. <laughs> 
I just want to be a five-year-old again. Yeah, because, the, because when they're in the world of kindergarten, the activities and the environment is so archetypally warming, nourishing, holding, that everybody wants to get back to that. And creative. And, and creative. I, I mean, I just remember, you know, starting with the, with the story the first day. Yeah, I want to do that. I want to do the finger painting. I want to do the finger knitting. I want to do the dressing up in the costumes and performing the story. I mean, I just think that'd be such a great experience. Are you listening out there, folks? We're going to create Susan coming and teaching this maybe around the country. Oh, yes. You'd have great fun. Can you yeah, just imagine us all as 50- and 60-year-old parents? Well, yeah, when the old people start acting like the children. <laughs> go back to the Bring on the finger paints. <laughs> and the beeswax crayons. Mm. Yeah. I love you, Susan Jones. I'm yeah, so, I'm my life shot. is blessed to know you. I feel the same. Yeah. Even though Carl Abbey didn't say go start a school. That's my story, and I'm sticking to uh-huh, it. <laughs> uh-huh. It's nice to know that Ivy Log, Georgia, which is it was the boating station, little storefront two miles from our house, mm. that you could even find it, because that was before GPS. Before no, I know. We had some old map or something. Something. The something only something. Ivy Log, Georgia, there was. It was like miles. where Mary Lou lived. Do you remember down on of that Of course I do. That was Ivy Log. Yeah, but there's that little Ivy you know, across from the marina. Uh-huh. There was that little building there, and that was called the Ivy Log Boating Booth. Oh, really? I didn't know that. Yes. I think so. Yes. Uh-huh. That was where it was. Now it's moved. Well, it was the end of the time of Appalachia when, yeah, before. Well, it's nice to know we've got a safe city somewhere. <laughs> Everyone moved up there, uh huh. Two yeah. miles from my house. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Heading home again. Well, blessings upon you, Susan. And to you. And uh, thank you so much for allowing me to listen to this story. Pleasure.